Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about January 6th yesterday, which which is bewildering. I'm from a country in Central America, Panama. And the kind of instabilities that we've seen in Central America, I don't want to go into the technicalities as to why that has occurred. Believe it or not, or the same sort of things that occurred in the United States or that are starting to occur in the United States that give us January 6th. You see, as Americans and me as a naturalized American, we never believed that the things that we see around the world, the instabilities, etc., could somehow hit Americans. You see, we've been taught to believe that we are exceptional, that there's something about our humanity that is different than anybody else, but it's not. Riches and being the conqueror and a successful conqueror for a long time insulates one from the atrocities, one from the instabilities that occur, we see occur around the world. But here's the kicker. The thing that has made us as a country do so much behind the scenes that many Americans cannot see are the things that are having to be done to the good people of the United States right now, the masses. You see, After you have done, and I'm not talking about Americans in general. I'm talking about the plutocracy, the psychopaths of any country, and the psychopaths of America are the the largest of them all because they have the backing, the full force of the United States government and the military. When those sycophants are done doing their deeds around the world, And there's really, they've eaten so much of it. Who do you think they're coming for next? What's their easy pickings? You. And they use all kinds of techniques to attain that. And the frustration that you see in as much as it is unwarranted on the right against those Liberals against those other people that are changing this country, the the false the false sense of prejudice and all these sorts of things. Yeah, they're manufactured. They've always been manufactured. From the inception of this country, they've been manufactured because that is how we can control everybody. 
I talk a lot about these issues on, I'm being necessarily vague right now, but I talk a lot about these issues on Politics Done Right. So please always tune in here on KPFT on uh, Thursdays at noon and Fridays at 11 a.m. Central Time. And of course, every day, Monday through Fridays at politicsdoneright.com slash TV. But anyhow, like we said before, we have a great show for you today. We have Tim Danahy is going to talk about how we can sort of mitigate some of these problems. And then we have uh, a regular at KPFT and someone that I've started speaking a lot with as well, uh, which is El Señor, also known as Greg Palast. He's going to be with us. Ari Melbert destroys one of the guys who was instrumental in the coup. We also have uh, Joe Manchin's uh, question for Joe Manchin by uh, Claire McCaskill. So stick with it. Watch the, listen to the entire program. For those of you watching it on YouTube, watch the entire program. Because there's a lot here. There's a lot for us to go through. So uh, hang tight, because we have a lot to do. You can get any one of my books as a gift for becoming a member of KPFT. Go to kpft.org, click that donate button, select Politics Done Right as the show you're supporting, and go into the gift area and select, as I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom, or you can also get It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, or go to How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from Those Who Rigged It. If you get one book... It gives you one particular membership price. Two books, you get a discount. And three books, you get an even better discount. So please consider becoming a member of KPFT. And in the process, you get the gifts of the books. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright. On YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support, that is there to provide what that nourishment that we need. 713-526-5738. KPFT.org. Visit us online. Contribute online. KPFT. 90.1 90.1 FM. You can visit us at kpft.org. You know what I'm going to tell you right now? We better do what? Let's get busy. Claire McCaskill, she is not a bastion of liberalism or progressiveness or even, you know, whatever. But she has a, she has a question that I think Joe Manchin needs to answer. I mean, he's still talking through all sides of his mouth about whether he's going to at least modify the filibuster to ensure that everybody has the right to vote. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. Claire McCaskill, who is known as a moderate, uh, sort of summed up uh, the majority leader's sentiments earlier. Let's listen to how she put it. 
how can it be fair that Republican legislatures all over the country are trying to suppress voters with a simple majority, but yet the Congress is not allowed to address those suppression efforts with the same simple majority? That's a pretty easy argument to make and, frankly, for everyone to understand. So hopefully, by putting pressure on uh, Joe and Kirsten, they do the right thing and we can get a carve out for the filibuster. Uh, if only I could apply, I could explain the supply chain as well as she just explained uh, what we're facing here with the filibuster. But how likely is that simple, straightforward argument uh, that she is making to succeed? Well, the filibuster is a rule. It's not a law. The Senate has the ability to change it. They demonstrated that just a month or so ago when they changed the rule in the Senate uh, to allow for a vote on the debt limit. So it can be changed. And I think it is imperative for Democrats to do it because um, it's a moral imperative, first of all, to ensure voting rights uh, for all Americans. But it's also a political imperative. Um, Not only will uh, senators and representatives face an election in which Republicans across state legislatures have gone aggressively, changed the rules for voting, changed the systems and the structures for voting to suppress the vote. And uh, they've done it so that Republicans can win and Democrats can lose. And so Democrats need to make sure that there is guaranteed fairness in the system. I think it's possible for them to do that. It is a rule. It is not a law. It is easy for the Senate to change. We spend a lot of time. It is absolutely easy for the Senate to change, and they should change it. The fact that we are having problems trying to get these people to do the right thing, it it baffles the mind. Changing, if, if we're talking voting rights, it should not, it never used to be a 50 50 proposition, a 51 50 proposition. Everybody wants supported voting rights. But now we are in a position, as the article in the New York Times yesterday that I discussed spoke about, there is a systematic coup that is occurring. And right now, as it is, Cinema and Joe Manchin are aiding and abetting the coup being affected by the Republican Party on the American system because they do not have the policies that garner not even 60% of the American people's vote. So, Joe Manchin, are you listening? Trump economic advisor Peter Navarro probably thought that he was going on Ari Melber. And, you know, Ari Melber comes across as kind of soft and he's mellow, etc. But the dude is pretty smart. He's hip and he's smart. And I think Peter Navarro probably learned that lesson because I tell you what, for all practical purposes, for those who have any modicum of understanding what's going on, I think uh, he he made mincemeat out of Peter Navarro. I took some clips out of a very extensive interview that he gave him with regards to the insurrectionists, uh, insurrection, with regards to the coup that they attempted to effect on the American citizenry. The coup that they attempted, these traitors. And I think he let him have it. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. The question is, what was the plan itself and who was in on it? The plan was simply this. 
we had uh, over 100 congressmen and senators on Capitol Hill ready to implement the sweep. The sweep was simply that. We were going to challenge the, the results of the election in the six battleground states. We believe that if the votes were sent back to those battleground states, and looked at again that there would be enough concern amongst the legislatures that most or all of those states would decertify the election that would throw the election to the House of Representatives. And at 1 p.m., Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz and Gosart, a representative, started the Green Bay sweep beautifully, challenging the results of Arizona. You just described this plan as a way to take an election where the outcome was established by independent secretaries of state, by the voters of those states, and legal remedies have been exhausted with the Supreme Court never even taking, let alone siding with any of the claims that you just referred to. So legally, they went nowhere. You will use the incumbent losing party's power, that was the Republican Party that was losing power, to overtake and reverse that outcome. Do you realize you are describing a coup? No, uh, I, I totally reject many of your premises there. First of all, the election was still in doubt and would be until it was certified. Second, the idea that that secretaries of state, particularly in Michigan and, and, and Pennsylvania, were like innocent parties. They were put in power by George Soros for the express purpose of shifting the playing field to the Democrats. We were following the Constitution and rules of the Senate to simply get a recount of what the votes were. Um, but when you describe a system where after all of the legal remedies are exhausted, the people who lost just make noise and then say that they won and seize power. Don't you understand that if that actually were the system, it would be dumb? and dangerous if the people who lost could just get up there and say, well, we want to do our own count, not the state law recount, not what the Supreme Court provides for, it, but just people in the Trump administration decide, well, we disagree. Don't you understand why people see your whatever you want to call it? You don't want to call it a coup. Your thing where when you lose, you stay in power. They see that as really dangerous. Your presumption is the remedies were exhausted. My presumption is the remedies weren't exhausted at all. Now, Let's read from your book with regard to your contention about the vice president. You say, quote, Pence refused to take my repeated phone calls about election irregularities, despite a direct request from President Trump to do so. What was your vision that that you would get Pence to do that which Trump couldn't get him to do? No, my only reason to talk to Vice President Mike Pence was to explain to him, as I documented in my three-volume report, that in all likelihood, there was significant election fraud and irregularities across the six battleground states. This may be relevant, sir, in future elections, which is, sure. don't you think somebody would have thought of this if the incumbent administration, through the president or the vice president, could just cancel the election outcome because he goes down to the Senate? Well, then a lot of people would try to stay in power. We have an entire system designed to thwart sure. people like you, to stop people like you who think that you can anoint yourself, the reviewers of the voters, of the American people, of what they lawfully did, that you trump the Supreme Court, no pun intended. People like you are what the Constitution are designed to stop. And it worked and it did stop you. Well, Peter, um, again, we don't I can't fact check everything uh, in real time and also do the interview. Um, but but some of what you said is false. 
Some of what you said is false. A lot of what you said is false. Let's get this straight here. It is important to understand that no, that Republicans have not won the popular vote since the 90s, as I recall. If I recall correctly, I, I, I think I'm, well, actually, they've won it once since the, the popular vote, once since the 90s. And I think that was a second coming of uh, President Bush numero dos. Uh, but they don't win elections because their policies suck. It's the undemocratic nature of the United States of America that has given the Republicans half of the time governing, governing capabilities. But worse, we have allowed a party who has never or who rarely garners the popular vote, the ability to set the Supreme Court for decades to come. We have garnered them the ability to set policy that hurts most of the people against their own will. And here, they are doing the same thing. The one question I wish Ari would have said, yes, he talked about them losing the election, but Donald Trump didn't only lose the election in this uh, in 2020. In 2020. <laughs> he lost the election by a landslide, uh, 7 million votes, more so than Hillary Clinton. And this, the nature of the undemocracy of this country shows that in as much as he won the election by more than twice the amount that Hillary Clinton won her election against Donald Donald Trump by 43,000 votes in the in the right states would have still given Trump a win in as much as there was over 7 million vote advantage for Mr. Biden for President Biden. If that is not a, I mean, how can we go around the world and talk about democracy? How can we ever talk about one person, one vote? How can we ever talk about this when, when we, we have what occurred with Donald Trump and the goal that these people have in as much as they're losing by millions of votes to fight about we won, we won. The people don't want you. The people didn't elect you. You are putting yourself or trying to get into power, wrong or strong, you are fascist, and that is all there is to it. Americans need to wake up. We need to make a huge vote. We need to make sure that we have our the, the court set appropriately. We need to destroy the Electoral College, and we need to simply change the rules of the Senate. And I'm not talking about canning the filibuster. I mean a constitutional amendment that a state that has 750,000 people cannot be the same, uh, have the same amount of power in a Senate as a California that has more than, that has orders of magnitude more in people than that state. This is not a democracy. Let's not go around the world telling people that when these are the things that can happen in the United States of America. Today, we are honored once again to be with Tim Danahy from the Tim Danahy Show of the Past, which we hope to sometime get back in La Ola. He interviewed just about every book writer that was important and more, and former director of Coffee Party USA. Tim Danahy, thank you so kindly for being on Politics Done Right once again. It's a privilege, Egberto. It's a uh best uh, uh, talk shows I believe in the country. Well, you know, Tim, let me tell you, by the way, you're going in and out sometimes. I think there's squelps maybe, and so I'll let you know if, if it happens often. But anyhow, um, 
Tim, I, I got a text this morning from you that really, you always give me good political advice, I must say. You are, I don't want to call you a moderate because I have a thing that uh, moderates really don't make a lot of difference. You do. And because your moderation comes from wanting results, unlike many who define themselves as moderate. And you said something to me that surprised me. I'll be, I'll be frank. You said, would it be effective wordplay to associate Trump with a word negative to the wingers by saying Trump has declared jihad on the U.S. Constitution? To which I said, I got to talk about this because it's not just a phrase. It's a reality. Why don't you kind of expand on that? Well, my thought on that is um, uh, what he is doing by trying to overthrow the election uh, is in violation of constitutional uh, provisions and governmental norms. But yet, if we were to use uh, those terms, I don't think it's effective for his supporters to understand. Um, the words jihad, and I also used the word fatwa, if, if you wish to elaborate on that later. But the use of the term jihad would be something like, say, well, he's declaring war on the Constitution, but it would have a negative a connotation. Um, and in, in fairness to the word jihad, it, it is often misused. I mean, you know, uh, jihad is actually, uh, you could say that uh, I have, I could say that I have a jihad to lose weight this year. It's a personal mission. But one of the conditions is that it must be led by the person who declares it. And so um, it, it's accurate uh, in the context that we're talking about. Uh, Donald Trump has declared jihad on the U.S. Constitution. Now, it seems, um, you know, I, I think if, if you listen to most of the people on the right, they generally wrap themselves in the flag. They wrap themselves in the Constitution. They wrap themselves in life in promoting life for all. But it seems like all that has happened thus far is anathema to that. Why don't you talk a little about, uh, the? I, I don't know, we can't call it projection because what they're projecting is, is diametrically opposed to what they're actually representing. Why don't you tell me your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I understand what you're saying. And, and to get to that, perhaps we should, uh, talk about a failure on the left. Um, whenever the left has a, a, a march or a protest, there are no American flags. You know, whenever there is a march, there should be American flags. This is part of the American experience. I want to stop you right there. I, I want to expand on that. Uh, I love that you said that, Tim. Uh, folks, why do you, that is very important. There's nothing wrong it is actually we who are supporting the what the personification of what America represents. Please continue. I just wanted people to hear what you said there. Yeah, well, I think that's important because in, in you see Trump hugging the flag. You see American flags, American flag jackets. I mean, it, it is part of uh, the rights campaigns, right or wrong. And uh the left seems to have divorced itself from America, from that American uh, symbolism. But but the left is as American as the right, and we must not divorce ourselves from uh, that reality. Now, um, January 6th, 
The commemoration of January 6th. Um, it seems like there are two commemorations, really. One, uh, they are pretty much attempting to make it seem like January 6th was a war on uh, all that was wrong in America and people just reacting to it. And those of us who actually know that January 6th, in effect, now that we're learning a whole lot more of what happened from the communications between uh, uh, Hannity and the president and, and uh, uh, Peter Navarro explaining exactly what occurred, it seems like that was a real cool attempt. So um, where do we go from here? You know, there's a word that might apply that isn't used. And I think the word would be strong. Now we talk about coup attempt or overthrow. Uh, we couch it. Uh, the word really might be treason uh, because that is what it is. It, it, it's, it's an effort to overthrow the constitutional process of the United States. So let's call it treason. And, um, you know, it, we're trying to... Um, uh, do it in different lights, but we have to do side uh, with the traitors or do you side with the Constitution? Um, the Constitution is very straightforward in what the processes are for electoral colleges. Um, that is in a democratic society, we can debate that. Made it both ways too, Egberto. Someday you and I will. Um, but, um, but, that's part of the problem. But, but this was a violent and coordinated, planned uh, attempt to uh, disrupt the constitutional process. Reason. It was, an, in essence, it would overthrow um, the Constitution of the United States. Now, I'm going to tell you something shocking and something that progressives will probably uh, slice me for, right? But in this whole dilemma, as far as how we're handling January 6th and the, 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 the nature in which how violent it was and what it meant, means to our, to our country, I tell you, I think the strongest person, the person that has shown the most resolved on this whole issue, and people are not going to like it, but I think it's Cheney. Uh, Representative Cheney in Congress, because in my humble opinion, she's the one that has the most to lose. And irrespective of having the most to lose, uh, she is out there not not hiding and being a soft Republican in her attack on uh, on what occurred. But Liz Cheney is out there putting her neck on the block. I have nothing in common with Liz Cheney. At all. No, no, none of her values with respect to what I believe in social programs, with what I believe in, in many other issues align with hers. But as far as being an American, as far as supporting this country, as far as making note what this country represents, I think she has shown more pelotas than Republicans and Democrats alike. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Uh, my opinion is I agree. And, and you, you know, she has a, I think a 97% conservative approval rating, and somehow that isn't enough for uh, the Republicans. Kind of a frightening thought. I mean, how do you get more than 97%? Uh, but, but let's talk about what you and uh, uh, Liz Cheney share rather than what makes you different. And, and what, what you share is an abiding respect for the Constitution. 
what you share is is an understanding of the need to um, discuss issues. What you share is a respect to disagree. And both of you would work together well to carry forward what is within the principles of the United States. So let's focus on what you share. I agree with you. Um, I, I think she will be a survivor. Her competition is weak. But it's unfortunate that the other nine Republicans who have uh, voted for impeachment seem to be falling by the wayside uh, for uh, various reasons. And uh, people that are, are deemed to replace them in the primaries uh, are, are actually even more frightening. Yeah, th- th- that is sad. I tell you something I've, I've also told folks. I told folks, beware. Because I know many progressives, some further left than I am, you know, that's not quite very easy. And some like you, a, 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 a very solid, uh, what I call a very solid moderate with values as, as well. I think uh, depending on what we see going down the road, they'll say, well, you know what? We don't agree with this woman, but this woman for real is a leader, has proven herself to be a leader. And who knows where she goes from here? Your thoughts on that? Um, I, I would say she's a leader, but first of all, I, I, you know, we, we've had many conversations and you and I share, uh, many of, of our desired outcomes, you know, whether it be healthcare, reform, us, uh, 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 enforcement, uh, you know, uh, bring back the last Steagall Act, a whole list of things like where you and I agree on, them. uh, uh but I always like to say that I'm a tactic progressive. Yes. Uh, I, I just want to uh, say, how's the best way to do it? How's the, what's the best way to craft the message? What are the steps we need to do to do it? Um, you know, uh, because I understand that half of this country uh, fears the extreme uh, presentation of the left, whether it's self-inflicted or whether it's by uh, less credible media outlets. Uh, people fear it. And so for that reason, I think it's important to say, uh, hey, what do we agree on? Now, I bet you and I could go to the, to the people involved with the uh, January 6th uh, insurrection, um, and we could go there and we could say, the banks are out of control. What do you think? And they go, yeah. And if you and I could go there and say, you know, Facebook, there has to be some sort of accountability with posted on it. They go, yeah. You know, and I bet, you know, if, if we were to, to, to hash it out, we could probably come up with 10 or 20 things where we both go, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And so um, it, that doesn't get presented with uh, in, in this environment. So let's, um, this January 6th thing, let's figure out happened. We need to investigate it. It needs to see the sunlight so everybody knows. But uh, we need to tie this with um, beauty of the Constitution rather than the ugliness of politics. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, look, this was an impromptu conversation that I, after getting the text, I said, you know, um, you, you, you've always had good words on, you know, on all these issues. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain here on January 6th. And as usual, uh, you absolutely never disappoint. As what I always ask at the end of every conversation is, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? 
Um, I, I think I think you've done well, Egberto, and, and as always, it's, uh, it, it's an honor uh, uh, to call you a friend and to be on your show and to participate in um, quality and meaningful discussions that you promote. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a service and a skill that, that we all need. Brother Tim Danahy of the Tim Danahy Show former director at Coffee Party USA, among other great things that he does. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. My pleasure. Thank you, Eduardo. We are here with the one and only Greg Palace. You know, Greg Palace is the one who discovered the voting irregularities in many cities around the country, many states around the country, and he did it in Georgia as well. Anyhow, it's January 6th. Please, 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 Greg. Give me your give me your thoughts on today. What does it mean? Where do we go from here? Well, there's a a couple thoughts about today. By the way, first, it's a good day for democracy in in one place in Kazakhstan. I was in Kazakhstan just a few years ago and was uh, facing arrest and thrown out of the country by the dictator, a guy named Nur Sultan Nazarbayev. And uh, I'm glad to say that today he and his um, kleptocratic family fled. Now, where is Kazakhstan? Um, They have a lot of oil, so you'll find out when the 101st Airborne arrives there to protect the oil fields. But it's a good day where the people have risen up and they're demanding democracy in Kazakhstan. Wouldn't it be nice if Americans were as committed to democracy as people in Kazakhstan in Central Asia? And uh, that's what we're going to have to determine. Uh, I think, you know, obviously uh, the concentration today is on the freaks, the schmucks, the fools that smashed into the Capitol. And I have to tell you what they did was ugly. It was murder because, you know, they literally crushed the skull of a cop with a fire extinguisher. They murdered a cop. Um, and um, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not downplaying what these what these idiots did, but they weren't the real threat to democracy. The real threat to democracy was two days earlier when Donald Trump um, forced Mike Pence and others to listen to and read a memo by a guy named John Eastman, a lawyer who's saying, here's how Trump holds on to power, keeps the presidency and overturns the vote of the Electoral College as well as the popular vote. By using in our Constitution the Twelfth Amendment. Now, most people have never heard of the Twelfth Amendment. You know, you know the First Amendment about speech. The Second Amendment is your gun, and the Fifth Amendment you can't incriminate yourself. Who has ever heard of the Twelfth Amendment? The answer is this is a special amendment uh, passed uh, just after the original Ten Amendments um, in uh, around eighteen hundred and eighteen o two, something that area. And it allowed if there was a dispute over who the electors were for the Electoral College, it would be resolved in the House of Representatives. So the idea for and it would be one state, one vote. So think about this. There is a dispute um, in 2000 and 2024, just as there were in 2020. But in 2024, we now have a we have a Republican majority Senate. If uh, that's a real possibility, because it's 50 50 now, almost a certain Republican majority in the House. 
So there's a dispute about the vote in Georgia, because once again, let's say Biden's running for reelection. Uh, if Biden runs for reelection and he gets wins Georgia by 12,000 votes, as he did last time. This time you can count on the Georgia legislature. You can count on the Georgia legislature to certify not the Biden electors, but to certify the electors, the electoral college committed to Trump. Now you're saying, oh, wait a minute. What about our right to vote? Read your damn constitution. There is no right to vote. Not one word protecting your right to vote in the United States Constitution, nor its amendments. This is not an oversight. Uh, John Adams, uh, Madison, they were dead set against democracy. Um, they talked about it as the most dangerous form of government. They were looking at the French Revolution and they decided that the Declaration of Independence, which created the Confederation of States, was too close to democracy. So they needed a document, the Constitution, that would prevent democracy. So as, as one Oxford Don says, the Declaration of Independence gave us democracy. The Constitution took it away. Thomas Jefferson was away in France supporting the revolution. He had nothing to do with writing the Constitution, vehemently opposed it, especially this idea that the public does not choose the president. So we don't have a presidential. We don't vote for our president. Electors vote for our president. And in the Constitution. Who chooses the electors, not the public, not the voters, but state legislatures. And so you could very well have Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, where the state legislatures will say, oh, there's all this voter fraud. We're going to overturn. We're going to choose the Trump electors. Let's assuming he's the candidate again. We're going to assume uh, we're going to take on the Trump electors and certify them. And that will make. If that doesn't make Trump president, they will dispute the outcome. And then it goes to the 12th Amendment where one state gets one vote. I know this is complicated, but this is your constitution. The constitution should say the voters, the majority of voters pick the president. But no, it says that the legislatures do. And if that creates controversy, then it goes to the House where it's one state, one vote. Rhode Island will get the same vote as California. And they have 27 uh, Republicans now control 27 state delegations. So um, Biden could win, would lose, even if he wins the popular vote, even if he wins the electoral college vote. It could be overturned in the House by one state, one vote figure, 23 uh, or 24 votes, say, for Biden, because you include Washington, D.C. And um, one uh, and 23 votes. Uh, 23 votes for Biden, 27 votes for Trump. And that's what could happen. In the oh, next we, need election. To, we need to clarify something here because this is very important here. Yes. In effect, you are saying that the scheme that they wrote up in uh, in, in the White House was legal. And not yes. only was it legal, what you're saying is that the only thing they could probably pin on the leaders of the insurrection, the insurrectionists are going to go to jail. Those are the peons that went ahead and did violent yeah. things. <laughs> right. What They're you're saying. Yeah. What you're saying is the implication of what that theory of, of uh, overturning the election, it actually passes constitutional muster. And the only legal framework that we have is to try to use the federal laws that said, well, when you spoke to that guy saying, give me X amount of votes. Now, that particular act was illegal. 
Yeah, but that wouldn't change the outcome of an election. In America, we have this odd business. If you remember, like you said, for those who've read my books, like The Best Democracy Money Can Buy or seen my film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. In fact, if you go to gregpalace.com, you'll see my latest investigations on vote thievery. The problem is, is that if you steal an election, you're still inaugurated. It doesn't take away your uh, your um, your seat. You might go to jail. So, like, you know, maybe Trump would go to jail, but that doesn't take away his uh, he can't go to jail if he's reelected, by the way. So, you know, it's not illegal. It's not illegal uh, to uh, to ignore the will of the people. What I'm saying is right in our Constitution, the 12th Amendment. And by the way, it's kind of been used. It was used uh, almost immediately when um, 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 uh, Jackson. Andrew Jackson won the presidency. He won the popular vote. He won the electoral vote. But they used the Twelfth Amendment to deny him the presidency the first time he ran. And and uh, John Quincy Adams was named president in eighteen oh four. Though he lost the popular vote and he lost the electoral vote, they used the Twelfth Amendment, and each state got to vote, and they voted uh, to put in John Quincy Adams instead of the choice of the public. Uh, Later, four years later, Jackson won anyway. But we also had this constitutional shenanigans go on much more recently, because if you think that, by the way, the Supreme Court will step in and say, now that wasn't fair. No, 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 no. Because you've already seen this court. Now it's more conservative. Back in 2000, in 2000, many people know that I did an investigation of that election, the Al Gore versus George W. Bush. What I found is 58,000 black people were wrongly removed from the voter rolls, saying that they were ex-cons felons who at the time couldn't vote in, in Florida. Not one, not one of those people were guilty of any felony. They were only guilty of voting while black. Now, that bent the election. But even worse, when it went to the Supreme Court, because Al Gore didn't had that information from me, but didn't use it in the Supreme Court. He wasn't a big fan of mine. Uh, still isn't. Um, uh, when they went to the Supreme Court, the the issue in Bush v. Gore or Gore v. v. Bush was that um, the state of Florida, under its Secretary of State Catherine Harris, had stopped the vote count when George Bush was supposedly ahead by just five hundred thirty seven votes. But here's what most people don't understand about that case. They stopped the vote count when there were 178,000 uncounted ballots. Most of those, 29,000, the biggest lump, were from Jacksonville, an African-American city. Mostly African-American cities and towns had not completed their vote count. So they were excluded. If you had counted all those ballots, Al Gore won by a very comfortable margin in Florida and therefore should have been president. However, the Florida legislature, and listen to the craziness of our Constitution. The Florida legislature voted to end the count, despite 178,000 uncounted ballots, to end the count and certify the slate for George Bush, despite what the public wanted in Florida. So the legislature chose it. And that, by the way, is in the second article of the Constitution. So we've got another danger as we had in Florida, where the Supreme Court said, well, the second article of the Constitution doesn't say you have a right to vote. It says that the legislature of a state chooses the electors that go to the Electoral College. So once again, 
not the voters, state legislatures. And that's the legal hook that they used to make Bush president in 2000. So if you think we haven't had an undemocratic coup d'etat, well, what the hell was 2000, Egberto? Yeah, well, you know, that that is so true. And the the thing about it is uh, you you lay out the case. But I also say that uh, the the Democrats, as well as Al Gore, are complicit in wanting the maintenance of the system because most Americans don't know what you've just thought, what, what you've just stated. If Al Gore went, uh, to put it crazy, bat you know what crazy, and started saying, look, what they're doing here is using the Constitution to present us as the undemocratic republic that we are, it's time to have constitutional amendments, it's time to have these types of things. Americans still think this is a democracy. The problem is, I think many plutocrat- plutocratic Democrats are uh, complicit in this fraud. Well, yeah, because in the end, there's one party, what I call Hezbollah Shekel, the party of the cash. Right. Um, And so the elites, the elites are very concerned about no longer being elite. Uh, If you really had a true democracy and we had direct election of our presidents, we had direct, you know, it wasn't until, by the way, uh, 100 years ago that we won won direct election of U.S. senators. That was the same system where legislators. But it's still fraudulent because they didn't mind doing that, Greg. Because when you have two senators from South Dakota, two senators from North Dakota, Idaho, and I and these other places, you know that you have misrepresentation with a bias towards you know whom. Well, well think of this: California gets two electoral votes, and if you go to my uh, my Greg you'll see my discussion, right? So you get excuse me, they have two um, senators, senators, California, with yes. uh, almost forty million people. You have Wyoming with a half a million people. Right. Gets two senators. So in other words, one voter in Wyoming has 80 times the political power of a voter in California. And worse, bigger than Wyoming is the population of Washington, D.C., which gets zero senators. Right. And and it's not incidentally an African-American city. So we have Americans who don't get senators. So what we have uh, tiny states with senators equal to the power of the majority of the population of America. You have to think about this. The Republicans, it may be a 50-50 Senate. It's not 50-50 at all, yes. For population. So it's 50-50 Republican Democrats in the Senate because South Dakota and North Dakota get four senators. We now know from, as we know with Manchin, uh, we now are very aware of two senators from West Virginia who can outweigh the votes of New York, Illinois, and California combined. And how is that democracy? Again, it was about creating a nobility so that it's not surprising that the Senate is known as the Millionaires Club and it's quickly becoming the Billionaires Club so that you have elites very, very panicked in both parties about democracy. You know, it's amazing because David Cobb, once uh, we were discussing the Constitution, he ran for president on the uh, Green Party. And we, we, we served together and moved to amend. And he looked at me and he said, Egberto, this isn't a democracy. Do remember, the only thing special about the Constitution is that the Constitution is a capital document. It is a, it, it is a document that's simply there to maintain capital, nothing more. Well, yes. In fact, actually... Um... Uh, let me see if I can uh, 
uh, read you. Um, this is the statement of one of our great founding fathers, uh, Thomas, uh, um, excuse Bain? me, John Adams, okay. who was the second president of the United States. And he said that he, he was afraid of democracy. And that's why he was one of the promoters of the Constitution. Remember, we had uh, George uh, Washington was not our first president. He was actually our fifth. We first had a confederation of states. Right. Thomas Jefferson hated the Constitution. He was in France supporting the French Revolution. So he wasn't at the Constitutional Convention. Then he came back and said, what the hell have you guys done? And so therefore, he said, we have to put some limits on this crazy thing. And that was the create and that was the base of the creation of the Bill of Rights. But Adams said that democracy is a dangerous thing because it's an instrument of and I'm quoting him now, the firewomen, but those which are like um, lazy, um, um, you know, ditto heads, the stage players, the atheists, the deists, the scribblers for any cause at three bucks a day, the Jews and other undesirables who would, quote, destroy all nobles. Again, this is a quote from John Adams. You know, you're going to have all these undesirables now. Um, you know, said that he didn't include black people because they didn't have the vote, but they, they didn't have the, the time, vote anyway. Yeah. At the time, by the way, one of the things he was afraid of was that when the French Revolution, uh, um, after storming the Bastille in the French Revolution, that black people in Haiti were named as full citizens of France. Uh, you know, Napoleon withdrew that later, but uh, when he became emperor and democracy ended. But, you know, actually, you had this huge uh, number of new African uh, uh, American. That you know, was before Toussaint Lavatour. Right. Uh, right. And so you actually had the uh, citizenship and voting rights for black people right after the French Revolution. And this was very scary to the Americans, to the American elite. He says, you know, that's an important point where he says that this type of democracy, quote, will, quote, destroy all nobles. He didn't mean that as a good thing, like we're going to destroy nobility and privilege. He thought that as a dangerous, horrible thing that we are going to destroy the nobles. So they created this constitution where you'd have this Senate and they were thinking of the Roman Senate where you had these in the Roman Senate, only patricians could serve. Now, remember, when they wrote the Constitution, in most states, you actually had to have property to be able to vote. So they thought, well, if we give the president the power to choose senators, which later changed, and the power to choose the president to state legislators and not to voters, then we can be sure that the landed gentry will will do the right thing and give us a nice a noble as president. That is amazing. Uh, it is amazing, but I think it is important to note that those who are fighting on January 6th, those who went and invaded the Capitol, little do they know that they were really invading to support people that have that doesn't have their interest at hand. Let's close it with you finishing that particular thought. Okay, the, the the people, you know, that that's one of the problems that we do have with democracy, but I'll still take it over any other form of system. You can fool as, as a, a, a wiser man than me once said, you can fool some of the people all of the time. And so you have literally these poor guys smashing into the Capitol. Not all of them were poor. As it turns out, by the way, the majority were white collar workers or, or small business owners. That's the majority of people who were arrested and charged in the Capitol attack. 
of the 725 charged so far. And but these are people who really believe that their best interests were served by Donald Trump, the guy who said, you know, let's fight the billionaires, even though he's a billionaire. <laughs> let's fight all their special privileges and tax breaks, even though he had the privileges and tax breaks. It was a con job. And you will always have con jobs and it will always suck in, as Lincoln said, some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time. So that's always the danger. But democracy seems to have this self-correcting mechanism where people can wise up. But that's why this show, your comments, you know, the most important thing we can do, the most important thing we can do. There's my assistant showing up. <laughs> the most important thing we can do is not unstupid ourselves and find out what's going on in this planet from Kazakhstan to the 12th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We're not going to, as Jefferson said, his push for universal education was part of his push for democracy. He said, one thing you don't want to do is have, is have a stupid electorate. You know, I don't know if we've lived up to what you had in mind, Tom, but uh, we're trying. I want I, I said that was the last question, but I want you to, um, you know, we've been concerned that the, the, the place has been moving progressively to the right, the, the world, uh, pretty much. I, I wanted to address what recently occurred in Chile, where we actually got some progressive movements, maybe a directional change in Latin America. Well, once again, what we had in, in Chile, uh, for those, uh, we just had the election of a left-wing president after years, after several decades of kind of neoliberal presidents, not always conservatives, some were very um, would be considered, uh, you know, equivalent politically to Joe Biden, you know, kind of uh, middle of the road Democrat types. But they've never had but they haven't had a radical in half a century since Salvador Allende was elected and killed. And, yeah. Yeah. And killed. So for those who don't know the story back in 1970, on September 11th, 1970, to be exact, um, a coup directed by Henry Kissinger and Richard Nixon from the U.S. We now have all the cables and everything overthrew the government, the elected government of Chile, because the elected government of Chile was run by a, uh, a duly elected member of the communist. He was a socialist and he. Um, nationalized the copper mines and the electric system and the phone company, which were owned by American corporations. And therefore, we ended up saying, well, we like democracy, but not if it impinges on, on the profits of our corporations. So we overthrew that government and thousands of people were murdered who tried to defend democracy. And so now in Chile, we see the resurgence of the reaction to that kind of it was a coup d'etat that was not only political, but it was corporate. You basically had the corporations overthrowing a government that was in their way. And now there is finally a reaction against it. And that's uh, and that's extraordinary. And we're going to see that throughout Latin America. It goes back and forth. I expect uh, right now we have this uh, ultra right uh, anti-vaxxer president of Brazil named Bolsonaro. I think he won't be lasting. I think he makes it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you're going to have the return of the socialist leader. Uh, who is very popular, and very successful, Lula. Lula. So, yeah. So I do think that uh, that the world is is wising up to these so-called populists, 
populists who are anti the populace, <laughs> rich guys who are like saying, no, don't you don't want worker protection. We got to cut here, man. We got to cut here. I, I am. Okay. I can't wait for. Uh, uh, yes, Da Silva, uh, Lula Da Silva. I can't wait for him to get reelected in, in Brazil. But anyhow, Greg Palast, author of How Trump Sold, Stole 2020, he almost did it. 44,000 votes. He almost did it. Hey, buddy, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. You keep doing what you do because we need your work out there. Thank you so much. Go to gregpalace.com and I'll be back with you, Egberto, anytime you want. Thanks a lot. Bye. You can get any one of my books as a gift for becoming a member of KPFT. Go to kpft.org, click that donate button, select Politics Done Right as the show you're supporting, and go into the gift area and select As I See It, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom, or you can also get It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, or go to How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from Those Who Rigged It. If you get one book... It gives you one particular membership price, two books, you get a discount, and three books, you get an even better discount. So please consider becoming a member of KPFT, and in the process, you get the gifts of the books. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright, on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That's it, folks. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get